You're listening to audio from Liberty Church in the Harrisburg-Camp Hill area of Pennsylvania. For more information, please visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org. That's Liberty with an I, Harrisburg.org. We're going to uh, dive into the book of Acts again, and this is going to be a long chapter. You can turn there, page 936. Uh, Matt Luloyan, who I love and I'm so grateful for, just as a friend and a brother in Christ, but also a partner in ministry. I was like, wow, thanks for this chapter. It's long. What am I going to do with this? Uh, And the more I meditated on it and studied it and sat with it, the more excited I am to share it with you. Uh, There's something here for anyone who's waiting you ever think about the fact that you know our lives are not movies that we just watch we're in them and we have no idea how long the chapters are we have no long idea what the things we're going through now what the duration of that will be have you ever been watching a show you just can't take it anymore? You're like, how much is I'm just gonna how much is left? Like I just gotta know how much is left. Or I, I read a lot of both books and stuff on Kindle. I was reading a novel recently on Kindle and it just ended. Wow, that's the end. Because you don't have oh, you're not feeling with your right thumb. Oh, there's only ten pages left. It just ended. That's actually more like life. We don't know the things we're going through, hoping for, the change we're aching for, the suffering we're in, the family situations we're watching. We don't know how long it will last. We're just in it. So there's, there's something here in God's, about God's mysterious ways for folks who are like exploring things spiritually. You're trying to figure it out. You're like, is this real, true? Could I connect with this? Is there something here? Something here for folks who have been Christians for a long time. You're waiting. Maybe lamenting, which means a sad season. There's something for all who are waiting in a dark journey. So look how it begins. Allow me to read the first eight verses. Let's just dive in. Page 936, Acts 27. When it was decided that we should sail for Italy. They delivered Paul and some other prisoners to a centurion of the Augustan cohort named Julius and embarking in a ship of Adramatium that was about to set sail to the ports along the coast of Asia we put out to sea, accompanied by Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica. The next day we put in at Sidon. Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him leave to go to his friends and be cared for. And putting out to sea from there, we sailed under the lee of Cyprus, because the winds were against us. When we had sailed across the open sea along the coast of Cilia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra and Lycia. There the centurion found the ship of Alexandria sailing for Italy and put us on board. We sailed slowly for a number of days and arrived with difficulty off Sinaitis. And as the wind did not allow us to go further, we sailed under the lee of Crete off Salmon. And coasting along with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens, near which was the city of Lycia. Now, here we are. Here are our characters. We got Paul, 
who is an apostle of Jesus Christ. And this is where we are in the Bible. Jesus Christ, who came, died, rose, and ascended. Jesus, that's the claim, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came and died for the sin of the world, rose again, and is ascended, and is now continuing his work through his people by his Spirit. So it's the acts of Jesus through his people. And this guy, Paul, who used to beat up on the church, actually, through the direct work of God, becomes a believer in Jesus and is a sent one, is an apostle. And he's had his hobby now, uh, the last few chapters, is just like being on trial. He's always on trial. Paul's on trial. You know, that's the prayer request for Paul. He's on trial. And he, he's a Roman citizen, and he appeals to Caesar. He thinks he's going to die. So he appeals to Caesar, which you're allowed to do. So he's going to Rome. And there's another cast of characters here. There's a we, Luke, the author of Acts, who's a physician and who wrote the Gospel of Luke and is a researcher. He's the one. There's interesting quotes and perspectives about Mary's thought life, and Paul in the, in the Gospel of Luke. He's a researcher. He interviews people. He puts that kind of stuff in. Uh, and we know things about Mary only from Luke and all these other people. He's, he puts a lot of details here that are eyewitness details, and actually more than you need to know to follow the story. He's just naming the places and where they were and where this ship was from and where this ship was from. And it's we, because he was there. So it's Paul and his companions. And there's this guy, Aristarchus, that the ancient church was networked. There's a church plant in Thessalonica. And this is a leader from the church in Thessalonica. And there was leaders that served multiple churches and went from church to church. And they stayed connected. And what would their prayer life have been here, like now? Well, some good things are happening, right? We got a kind centurion so it's a soldier over a hundred, a centurion, century, 100. And he's kind to Paul. And he lets Paul be with his friends. And he lets, uh, he, he's nice to Paul. Paul gets to be with his friends. They take care of him. And they actually make it to this place called Fair Havens, named by sailors, like safe place. This is a safe place. This is a safe harbor. And they get to be there. And I'm going to ask, after every, every paragraph every like, next thing in the story, what would it have been like to pray? Lord, thank you that Aristarchus got to be here. Thank you that we have Julius, who's kind. There's not, you know, we don't have a mean substitute teacher for a centurion. We have a nice, kind guy named Julius who seems to kind of like us. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you that we made it to Fairhaven safely. And sometimes, don't you just want a break? Don't, it's okay to pray, Lord, would there just be a safe could we have a season of healing? Could we have a season of fair havens? Paul, every week, wasn't just like beat up, beat up, beat up. Like one time for a year and a half, he just taught the Word of God in Corinth, and he got a break. He probably had some healing in his body, but also in his soul. And there's a brief time here, they just get a break. They've had pressure. They've been on, Paul's been on trial. And friends, kind Julius, fair havens. And they're thankful. 
But even in that, we don't know how long those fair haven seasons will last, right? We've got to thank God when we're in them, but we don't know how long they're going to last. But they were here many days. Look at what happens next. Verse 9. Since much time had passed, the voyage was now dangerous because even the fast was already over. Paul advised them, saying, Sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of lives. But the centurion paid more attention to the pilot, to the owner of the ship, than to Paul, than to what Paul said. Because the harbor was not suitable to spend the winter in, the majority decided to put out to sea from there on the chance that somehow they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, facing both southwest and northwest, and spend the winter there. So they'd been there a while, and Paul says, look, he realizes the feast is, the, fa- the fast is over. This is the day of atonement, okay? So they're well into the fall. It's dangerous now. Paul's been shipwrecked before. He's an experienced traveler. He's traveled the world and he's been shipwrecked before. He's like, guys, uh, I don't think it's, it's not safe. It's not safe. And it, it, he doesn't claim to be divinely predicting something. He just says, I, I understand that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, not only of the cargo, but of the ship, but also of lives. I think this is going to go bad if we sail now. We should not sail now. And they go anyway, which isn't super surprising, right? He's a prisoner, so you're going to listen to the prisoner, you're going to listen to the guy who owns the ship, you're going to listen to the captain. They want to go, they want a better harbor for the winter, and so they do that. How out of control must that have felt? Like their lives, okay, we're on the bus, whether we want to or not, and other people are driving the bus. When you're People are affecting your life who don't know exactly what they are doing. Which actually is kind of everybody. When your life is being determined by the decisions of others. At least some of it is. What happens? Fear? Anger? This is part of the reason why People get mad at leaders of any kind, right? Or political leaders or leaders of churches or anything. Like you're doing stuff that's affecting all of us. What fear, what anger must have been here? What would prayer life have felt like? Hey, these guys don't know what they're doing. It's amateur night. The sailors, that's uh, what we've signed up for. And there's nothing to do but to go along. So they probably would have been afraid. They probably would have been angry. Man, these guys ignored sound counsel. Lord, would you help us? What would a prayer sounded like? Would you help us? This is really scary now. We should not be sailing. This is not safe. Uh, we're with people who don't know what they're doing. Our lives are being affected. Oh, Lord, would you help us? Would you be with us? Ah, oh, this is frustrating. God, you're calling me to trust you with that? We're still called to love, trust, follow the Lord. And they're, they're on a journey, a voyage that they can't get out of. There's no like stopping it. Hey guys, I just need a break for a while. 
They can't get out. And we have to pray in those situations. We have to pray in those moments. So what happens next? Look at the next verse. Now when the south wind blew gently, supposing they had obtained their purpose. Hey, we have a south wind. They weighed anchor, sailed along Crete, close to the shore. But soon a tempestuous wind, called a nor'easter, struck struck down from the land. When the ship was caught, could not face the wind, we gave way to it. We're driven along. Running under the lee of a small island called Cauda, we managed with difficulty to secure the ship's boat. And after hoisting it up, they used supports to undergird the ship. And fearing that they would run aground on Syrtis, they lowered the gear and thus were driven along. Since we, we were violently storm-tossed, they began the next day to jettison the cargo. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither the sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. So this just gets worse and worse, right? They're being under the lee of an island means you're under the protection of an island and it protects you from the wind. So they're sailing close to the land, they're protected from the wind, all of a sudden they're not, and there's nothing to do with it, and they just have to go along. Syrtis is actually, it was called in the ancient world, the graveyard of ships. There are all these shipwrecks, they're really freaked out about being close to there. They lower the gear, they're throwing equipment overboard, they start to throw the cargo overboard. Gets really dramatic. In days of this, their worst fears, you pray for the thing, Lord, please let this not happen. Please, hey, we're gonna, I'm going to get this medical test. Could we please, Lord, in your mercy and your kindness and grace, could it be this answer? And then it happens. You're praying for your loved one. You're seeking to change your life or waiting for marriage to get better or for singleness to become marriage or for some other relationship to change. And what you're praying for not to happen, happens. What were Luke and Paul and Aristarchus probably praying? These sailors don't know what we're doing. Would you please spare us? Could we not get like die in a storm? And there's a storm. And it gets worse and worse. And they're probably praying, Lord, okay, we've been caught in the storm. Would you please let us get back to harbor? That doesn't happen. Would you please, you know, they are able to get the one boat up, which is the small boat that you use to get the land from the big shift. But it gets so bad, they have to throw ropes around the huge ship just to hold it together. That's what the supports are. End to end and under the boat, we're just trying to hold the boat together now. And they start throwing gear. God, would you please, could this storm pass? Could this storm pass? And it doesn't pass day after day. And they don't even see the sun or the stars. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. And this is an interesting. Luke doesn't often say, okay, and hey, this is what we are thinking. He's just been reporting, and then this happened, and then this happened. And 
then we went here and we went here. This is like a timeout. He's like, actually what we were thinking, we're like, this is it. Hey, I don't think we're coming out of this. It does not look like we will survive. We're going to drown. Everyone's going to die on the ship. That's what they're thinking. Maybe, maybe they were like resigned to it. Paul had already written to be with Christ. Like to die is to be in the presence of the Lord. No one wants to die. None of us want to die. And we act like we never will, though we all will. That's just like human nature, right? We act like we're going to live forever, though none of us will. But the comfort of the gospel is that death is actually the entrance into the presence of the Lord. Mayor, they're like, it doesn't look like we're going to be saved. They're bummed. Their hope was abandoned. That's the language. Our hope of being saved and the prayers we're praying for this not to happen, for us to be spared, looks like we have to give that up. I've called this sermon A Voyage in the Dark, and they don't know how long it's going to be. It's literally dark. They don't know how it's going to end. It doesn't look like it's going to end well. What do you do when you lose the job you thank God for? Hey, it looks like our prayers were answered. No, actually, not the way you thought. Or an answer to prayer is given, and it seems taken back. Anyone who's had a family member struggling with addiction, you know something of what that's like. Hey, you're doing well, you're doing well, you're doing well. And yet when the other shoe drops, it doesn't just drop on the floor, but it goes through the floor and then down to the first floor and blows out the first floor. Kind of just shatters everybody. You're hoping, 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 and then it's taken back. What do you do when, uh, yeah, what you're praying for, God said, wait. They prayed, sent men by God, loved by God, fruitful in God's service, sent by God, and they said, can we not be in a storm? The answer was no. Can the storm end now? And God didn't answer that prayer. Yes. The answer was actually no. And it's a voyage in the dark. And you don't know how long it's going to go. Which is like many situations of our lives. There's been a lot of waiting. There's collective trauma from COVID. We're waiting for like the world to be back okay and for things to be better. To be human is to wait. We're waiting for things. We're hoping for things. And we are praying for things. Paul, as a Pharisee, had all the Psalms memorized, as well as other passages. I was thinking about this verse this week. Psalm 62. Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Trust in Him at all times. On a ship, in the dark, in the storm. God is a refuge. If we die, we'll be with the Lord. 
pour out your heart before him, it means we still have desires. Lord, I want, would you save us? Could we get to Rome? Could we see our friends again? Could we have another fair haven? Would you bring us through? Could this change? You're praying for the family member, for yourself. You're praying, you're hoping, you're aching for something to change in your life. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. What happens? God gives these hopeless people who have abandoned hope. They're like, we've abandoned hope. They're like, that's it. God parts the curtain and gives them a message. Look at what happens. Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up amongst them, said, men, you should have listened to me, not have set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. It's the ultimate I told you so in the Bible, right? They're like, here we are. Hey, remember that conversation I had? Yeah, didn't, you should have. It's just true, right? They didn't listen. You should have done that. Look at what he said. Look at what his purpose is in speaking. Yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. Behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. But we must run aground on some island. This very night, Paul says, The God to whom I belong and whom I worship has sent an angel. And he's explaining it to guys who worship different gods. They worship different gods, and they think of many gods, and he's like, there's a God to whom I belong. That's what being a Christian, belonging to God. And in times of storage, that's actually really precious. You belong to someone. And God never loses those that are his. He doesn't lose track. He's like, I belong. He has clarity about his identity and to whom he belongs. And he's explaining it in a way that would make sense to pagans. He's explaining it to way, to, in a way that would make sense to people who think there are many gods. It's like there's actually a God who spoke to me and said, this is what is going to happen. And I will. I will. Who has a purpose? I will testify to the leader of the world about the true ruler of the world. I'm going to appear before the one who considers himself the Lord of the earth about the true Lord of the earth. Caesar, who is Lord, and that was the thing the ancient Christians were pressured to say, Caesar is Lord, about Jesus, who is Lord. God says, you will. You will stand before Caesar. You must. And in the language of gift, and you know what I've given you? All your friends who are worried about dying are all going to live. All your friends are going to live. And these other prisoners that you've gotten to know, and the Julius, the kind centurion, and the sailors who blew it, and the other, actually, God, in his mercy and grace, is going to save everybody. And it's going to be really scary because the ship's going to be lost, but all of us are going to be okay. Don't be afraid. Take heart. Don't be afraid in the storm. Don't be afraid in the dark. Don't be afraid now, in the time. You don't know how it's going to work out. And I don't know the situation. The details of your darkness 
are different person to person. The details of the story you're in that you can't pause and check how much time's left. But the God who's with his people in and through Christ is with us and says, don't be afraid, take heart, I'm with you. Look at what happens. We see in this like some human agency and responsibility and also God's control. Next verse, when the 14th night had come, we were being driven across the Adriatic Sea. Think how long that would be. Two weeks of this, man. About midnight, the sailors suspected that they were nearing land. Somehow they sensed this. They took a sounding, found 20 fathoms. A little further on, they took a sounding again. They found 15 fathoms. And fearing that we might run on the rocks, they let down four anchors from the stern, that's the back, and prayed for day to come. First explicit mention of prayer. Please let us not wreck in the dark. You don't even know which way to swim. This happens in the dark, in the pitch black. Please, they're praying for day. They're praying for the morning. And they know they're going to run aground. And look at what they do. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship, and they had lowered the ship's boat into the sea under the pretense of laying out anchors from the bow. Just another anchor, guys. Nothing to look at here. Paul said to the centurion, the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. And then the soldiers cut the ropes away. Cut away the ropes of the ship's boat and let it go. So the soldiers try to do everybody dirt. Uh, the sailors, rather, try to do everybody dirty, try to escape with the ship. Paul's like, no, we need them to be here. These, we need sailors in the boat. And so the soldiers let the boat go, which is also scary because they kind of needed the boat. These sailors are going to try to jump in it and take it. So better no boat, and at least we have the sailors on the ship. And here we go. And as the day was about to dawn, Paul urged them to take some food, saying, today is the 14th day that you have continued in suspense and without food, having taken nothing. Therefore I urge you to take some food, for it will give you strength, for not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you. When he had said these things, he took bread and giving thanks to God. In the presence of all, he broke it and began to eat. Then they were encouraged and ate some food themselves. We were in all 276 persons in the ship. When they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship, throwing out the wheat into the sea. So they're not passive. Paul's not just like, well, it's God's will. You know, I'm not even going to pay attention to what's going on. No, actually, the sailors are trying to escape, cut away the boat. We need them in the boat. And he warns them. And the guy that they didn't listen to before, Paul says, actually, it's the wrong time to fast. Maybe they are fasting to the gods. The, the gods would hear their prayers. Maybe they're also just so freaked out and they're so storm-tossed, like just no one can eat. But he's like, it's time to eat. It's time to trust God. Thank God. Here's the message again. None of you are going to die. So eat some food so you're strengthened. Take care of yourself. Take some responsibility, get some strength, and I have faith that all of us are going to make it. Actually, not one hair of, head of your hair is going to perish. And here's how it ends. And now when it was day, 
the day they are all longing for, the day they couldn't wait to see, the day they are like, please, Lord, let it not happen at night. The day comes. They did not recognize the land, but they noticed a bay with a beach on which they had planned it possible to run the ship ashore. So they cast off the anchors and left them in the sea. And at the same time, loosening the ropes that led the rudders, then hoisting the foresail to the wind, they made for the beach. But striking a reef, they ran the vessel aground. The bow stuck and remained immovable, and the stern was being broken up by the surf. The soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and make for the land, and the rest on planks or on pieces of the ship. And so it was that all were brought safely to land. They all made it. They all made it. And the soldiers, there's actually another drama with the soldiers. This isn't just soldiers acting badly. What happens to a Roman soldier if his prisoner escapes? He's executed. This isn't like Little League. Hey, cheer up, buddy. You get another at bat. It's going to be okay. Like this happens in the New Testament. When prisoners are rescued, all the soldiers die instead. And the centurion, this is also part of the plan of God, who was kind to Paul and wants to save Paul, says no. We're not going to kill these prisoners. And they are saved, and what God predicted happens, but it doesn't mean they land on a pillow, right? People have to swim for their lives. People are on pieces of the ship. The ship is destroyed, which makes it even more miraculous that no one died. And yet they all make it. And they needed the kind centurion, and they needed the sailors to run them on ground, and they hit the reef. And amazing things happen through this. I mean, what do we, what happens? Okay. The next chapter, like they're warmly welcomed there. Uh, they're receptive to the message of Paul and Paul prays for people and they're healed. His group minister to this island and he is going to make it to Rome according to the plan of God. And there are breakthroughs here. And what must it have been like to be a pagan soldier? And this guy's like, you're praying, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to you, and you think you're going to die, and a guy stands up and is like, hey, there is a God who's in control, and he says we're all going to be okay. His angel came to me. That happens. It's going to change your life. I wonder how many of them became Christians later. And what, what is here for us? What's here for us? Paul's already written to the Roman church that he has never visited yet. He wrote them a message. It's called the Book of Romans. And at the end, chapter 15, he says, he's thinking about the Scriptures, whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. Through enduring and looking around at the examples of each other, and also in the Scriptures, we might have hope. This is here for us. What is here for us? Well, okay, ask yourself, what is your dark? What is the voyage in the dark that you're in? What is the journey of the dark? What are the prayers that haven't been answered yet? And you don't know the timetable. You don't know the timetable. My wife uh, told me the story of a a spiritual director and counselor 
who is working with a guy for seven years. The guy's coming for seven years. Nothing's changing. Nothing's getting through. Seven years. Then last year, his life completely changed. And new life. And like connections and healing and growth. It just happens. And the counselor, for seven years, had to wait. Think through what are the prayers, what, is the, what are the details of the darkness that God has actually asked you to trust him in? I don't, I don't know what it is that God is asking you to trust him in. But Paul writes this, and this wasn't academic for him, right? This wasn't like, he wasn't like making up stuff. He also wrote this to the Romans that actually there nothing exists that can separate you from the love of God. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? It's the end of Romans 8. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or damage or sword, shall that separate us? He knew people and had himself gone through all those things. When you get the answer to the prayer, the answer is no to the prayer you prayed. Uh, when my wife had cancer in 2018, of course, you're going through tests, you're praying, we pray this test will be no. The answer is no cancer. And the answer is cancer. And God says, you're not going to go around this darkness. You're not going to go around this storm. You're going to go through it. And by God's grace... She's okay. But it's just like an example of one of many, right? There are stories we're in the middle of. Paul's like, I'm convinced that none of these things will separate us from the love of Christ. Knowing all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things in the future, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing's going to be able to separate us from Christ's love. Nothing. Jesus is risen, and we all will rise. Paul is saved, and God's like, you know what else? Bonus. I'm giving you all those guys that you've gotten to know. You're not going to grieve your friends. You're not going to make it to Rome, but bury Luke. Or lose Aristarchus at sea giving you them all, God's kindness. And also there are trials to go through. Are we not being invited by a chapter like this, written for us, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures we have hope, to trust God with the details in our dark, to trust God in the things that God is asking us not to go around but through, to pray through breakthrough, to trust in the Lord's Trust in the Lord at all times, O oh people. Pour out your heart. God, bring change. Bring help. Would you please keep that help? And you are a refuge. You are a refuge. And you are with us. You are with us. That's the promise of the gospel. Uh, that's the good news. And I don't know the details of your dark, but I'm confident that this Savior will be with you in the dark and bring us through the storm. Would you allow me to pray for us? Can we pray together? Um, 
Lord Jesus, we admit we need chapters like this. We thank you for the breakthrough and that they made it through your kindness, through your goodness. And we pray for faith to trust you. With the, un- with the answers that you have given us that are no, or wait, or not now, at least not now. And God, help us to trust you. Uh, we Help us to remember Jesus, which that seemed like the worst thing that had ever happened, the most innocent man being dying the most horrible way, and yet you turned it to salvation. Help us to trust you with all the things where we just don't see and where we can't do the math and where it's dark. Help us to not abandon hope, but to put our hope in you. Meet us. Even feed us now at your table. As we come to this table, Lord Jesus, to be strengthened by your body and your blood. Would you strengthen us? And we say, Lord, we believe. Help all the ways we don't believe. Help us in our unbelief. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Liberty Church. To learn more about our church or to listen to previous recordings, visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org.